one pitch, swing and a drive, deep to right field, way up there, way out of here, goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome, welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast one final time for the 2015 season. Thanks for being here. This will be a fun one. We've got the last edition of the bullpen banter. It's an epic one. Charlie Furbush sitting down with Tom Wilhelmsen. You'll enjoy that one. That comes up in just a couple of minutes. A nice conversation between Rick Riz and Lloyd McClendon. He shares his thoughts from the 2015 season. Also, Rick sits down with Nelson Cruz. I think you'll really like that conversation as well. Wow, what a season Nelson Cruz had. Aaron Goldsmith is going to stop by. He gives us a synopsis of the 2015 Major League Baseball season, and that's outstanding. So that comes up in a few minutes uh, in the year that was. You'll hear that at the very end of things. That's going to come up at the very end, the highlights from this year for the Seattle Mariners in 2015. We're going to go through the highlights over the weekend as well, quickly talk about the three games over the weekend that ended the 2015 season for the Seattle Mariners. Before we get to all of that, though, I want to give each and every one of you a a big thank you for listening and being a part of this all year. Uh, This is something that works because of you and the support that you've put behind it the last two years. I've so much enjoyed the interaction, whether it's on Twitter or email, and you know the requests and the thoughts and the questions and everything. I love the interaction. It's my favorite part of doing this. And day in and day out being with you and the fact that you're there every single day, and I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm not sure what the offseason is going to look like in terms of the podcast. I really don't know how often I'll be on. We'll pop on once in a while, but I don't know what it's going to look like. I guess we'll just play it by ear. But this one is going to be the last one for at least a little bit as we wrap up the 2015 season. But, again, I just want to thank you for everything this past year. So hopefully I have some time to get. I still have a couple waiting in the wings that I haven't got to in terms of projects that I've kind of half finished but haven't quite had the time to fully finish it's been kind of a crazy year a crazy season so there's a few things that will roll out along the way that I'm excited to finish that I I finally will have time hopefully to finish so look forward to a few of those things during the course of the offseason but again thank you so much for everything now let's talk about the weekend a little bit against the Oakland A's there are a few things of significance and one the news from Robinson Cano clearly I don't think it was a secret. He was he was playing hurt, and he was having trouble running at full speed, moving at top speed, and this is why. This was the announcement on Friday at Safeco Field. He sustained an abdominal injury back in July uh, the 28th, and uh, what we would describe it as is a core muscle injury, and it's also known as a sports hernia. So Robbie's been playing with this and he's playing very well. It's one of those conditions that athletes can continue to play with for some time if they're comfortable enough and 
at some point we usually perform surgery to repair it. When I'm trying to run like fast or trying to move quick, this one is kind of pain like really bad, but it's one or two minutes goes away. So that's why we'll be able to handle it. So, yeah, I mean, it was hurting him when he would try and move quickly, and you could see it. At the same time, he was massively productive. I mean, the way he ended this season is pretty incredible, considering, you know, at one point heading into July, he was batting two thirty eight, And to see where his numbers ended up, pretty remarkable while playing through pain. That injury happened at the end of July. So he's been playing with it for some time. The good news is he's going to have the surgery right away. It's going to come on the 13th, and then it's a six-week recovery period. And that falls in a normal time frame of recovery from him anyway. He doesn't start up his winter routine until after that. So really it shouldn't interfere with any of his routine, any of his workout routine in the offseason. So that's the good news as well. It's interesting. It's his first surgery but he should be ready to go for spring training. And what a way he finished this season. Absolutely toured. And he smashed. Man, did he smash a home run over the weekend. Here's the 1-0. And that is drilled. High and deep to right field. How far is this baby going to go? It is way out of here. Into the stands. Just short of the Hit It Here Cafe below the deck. As Robinson Cano unloads. A three-run blast, and just like that, the Seattle Mariners are down just one as Cano turns on it, home run number 21 on the season. He ends the year batting 287, so his average really climbed in the second half. 21 home runs, 79 RBIs, and whacked 34 doubles. And I find the doubles to be pretty interesting he now has 11 seasons of 34 or more doubles. And I started to look into it and talk about rare company. There's only two players that have had more seasons of 34-plus doubles. So Cano's tied with a few people. He's got 11. Albert Pujols has 11. He had 21 doubles this year, so he didn't add to it this year, but he has 11. Bobby Abreu had 11. Todd Helton, 11. And Stan Musial had 11 seasons of 34-plus doubles. The only players with more, Pete Rose with 12 and Tris Speaker with 15, which is pretty amazing. But that's it. I mean, he has been a doubles machine through his career, and he picks up 34 more this season, 179 hits and all for Robinson Cano. So that's good news. He'll be recovered and uh, should be ready to go. Also good news, Asashi Iwakuma, he ended the season strong on Friday. The windup and the 3-2 to Lori. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Strikes him out. Strikeout number five for the machine. And the Oakland A's leave Danny Valencia stranded at third base. How about that? He strikes out the side in the first and adds two more strikeouts here in the top of any number two. And Kuma Watch begins now. He ends the season strong, and the Mariners sure missed him when he was not healthy this year. And a free agent now. So Mariners, obviously, I don't think uh, it's any secret, could really use him back in the rotation, especially a healthy Iwakuma has been so good in a Mariners uniform. If you take starters with 50 or more starts in a Mariners uniform, he has the second-best ERA in Mariners history, only behind Felix Hernandez and ahead of Randy Johnson. 
That's the kind of career he has had as a Seattle Mariner. So Kuma Watch begins. We'll see what happens this offseason. This will be a busy, busy offseason. No doubt about that. Brad Miller hit a home run over the weekend. Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball down the left field line and well hit. Fold going back to the track to the wall. Goodbye baseball. In and out of Edgar's Cantina. Brad Miller going the other way with his 11th home run of the season. And the Mariners get on the board here in the bottom of the fifth. It's now the A's two and the Mariners one. Miller gets a high pitch and takes it out of here the other way. Career high in homers, RBIs, walks, doubles, hits for Brad Miller in 144 games this season, playing everywhere, and we'll see where he lands next year in terms of a position, but I thought he took a step forward offensively, and we'll see what he can do next season in 2016. Tony Zick, well, he made an impression this September. He had a strong outing over the weekend. The stretch and the 3-2 swing and a miss, strike three. Tony Zick strikes out the side here in the top of the fifth inning. This young man has been outstanding. And that is four strikeouts for Zick in relief tonight. How about that? And I should have mentioned this a moment ago. Robinson Cano, he ends the season with a 16-game hitting streak. The windup and the 0-1 pitch. Swing and a line drive base in into center field. Up of the ball is Craig Gentry. And Robinson Cano will finish out the year with a 16-game hitting streak. Not bad. It was 2-2 two two yesterday in the final game of the season in the eighth inning when Seth Smith went yard. And the 3-2 swing and a fly ball into deep center field. Fold going back to the one. He tracked to the wall. Leaps up. Gone. Goodbye baseball. Holy smokes. He did it. Seth Smith with the home run to straight away center field. Breaks up the 2-2 tie here in the bottom of the eighth. It's now the Mariners three. And the A's two for Smith. His 12th home run of the season. And he picked a great time for it. Holy smokes, what a shot by Smith. Mariners have the lead. And the Mariners would win it as Tom Wilhelmsen closed it down for the M's. It has been an interesting ride. What a journey, as Lloyd McLennan called it on his pregame show. From the start of spring training to this day, the final day of the regular season. There have been some ups. There's been some downs. And the Mariners look forward to 2000. 16 with a new GM. The stretch of the 1 2, and it's strike three called. And the ball game is over. Tom Wilhelmson strikes out the side and ends it. The Mariners win at a final score of 3 to 2 over the Oakland A's, and they win the finale for 2015. So there it is. 2015 is in the books. We'll get the thoughts from the skipper, Lloyd McClendon, in just a second. And we'll hear the highlights at the very end of this podcast as well from 2015. And highlights provided by Robinson Cano, who, again, struggled to start the year but really caught fire at the end of the season and just played lights out offensively. Kyle Seeger, career highs and home runs with 26 Doubles with 37, hit 13 home runs against lefties this year. And in terms of home runs against lefties, that was second in baseball this season and already second in Mariners history 
lefty versus lefty home runs. With his last one, he's got 34 now. He passes Raul Abanez and Alvin Davis, who had 33, although he nearly has 100 more to catch Ken Griffey Jr., who is one of the best of all time lefty on lefty home runs. Still ways to go to catch Ken Griffey Jr., but still pretty impressive, already second on the Mariners' list. What a season it was for Nelson Cruz. Doesn't win the homer title, but slugged 44 long balls in a Mariners uniform. Also hit 302. Only the third Mariner to hit above 300 in a season and hit 40 home runs or more in the same season. Ken Griffey Jr., who did it four times. Alex Rodriguez, who did it twice. What company he joins. Seth Smith with that home run. Here's something remarkable. Last year, he had 31 doubles. This year, 31 doubles. Last year, he had five triples. This year, he had five triples. Last year, 12 home runs. This year, 12 home runs. Seth Smith, Mr. Consistency. And what a season it was for Ketel Marte, who really burst onto the scene. 283 batting average. He ends with a 351 on base percentage. One of the best rookie years in Mariners history in terms of on-base percentage with uh, plate appearances 200 or more. It's fourth best in Mariners history. He made a big impact at shortstop defensively and at the plate as well and gives the Mariners a lot of hope at that position. A very, very young player, one of the youngest in the American League. And what a story it was. Franklin Gutierrez, a comeback story, didn't play baseball at all last year. Ends up hitting 292 for the season with 15 home runs, the second most he has hit in any season in his major league career. In fact, if you take his total from 2011 to 2014, he hit 15 major league home runs. He whacked 15 this year in 59 games, 171 at-bats. That was truly remarkable, and what a story that was. On the pitching side of things, You had Carson Smith punching out 92 hitters, tying a rookie Mariners record. 92. uh, Opponents batted just 194 against him in 70 games. He struggled through some adversity in the closer role at one point, but he fought through and ended up having a very nice season, a 2.31 ERA. Tom Wilhelmsen ended up taking a stranglehold of the closer position and would not let it go in September. He ended the season strong, 13 saves to his credit on the season. And with that save yesterday, Tom Wilhelmsen ties Norm Charlton on the all-time Mariners save list. It was number 67 for Wilhelmsen, now fifth all-time in Mariners saves, and it was after one point getting sent down early in the season, really helped stabilize the bullpen. Impressive season for Tom Wilhelmsen. Of course, the king, Felix Hernandez, over 200 innings once again, a whip of 1.18, 31 games, and took home 18 wins along the way. Didn't get to that 200 strikeout total, 191, but still. Six seasons in a row of 200-plus innings and 200-plus strikeouts. It ends, but still one of the longest streaks in baseball history. Tied for fourth. He's only behind Walter Johnson, Tom Seaver, and Roger Clemens. He continues to make history. He'll still be 29 years of age when his first start comes by next year on opening day, which is hard to believe. And right now, as we sit, he is fourth 
among active pitchers in strikeouts, and that's providing one or two don't retire who are still pitching ahead of them. But that's remarkable for really anyone, but especially a 29-year-old and Felix Hernandez. And you peel back the numbers, strikeout rate steady with where it's been, walk rate steady. All signs point to another Felix dominant, dominant season next year. And speaking of dominant, Taiwan Walker, he took a big step forward for the Mariners, pitching nearly 170 innings this year. And if you peel away his first couple of starts, go from May 8th to the end of the season in 24 starts, his ERA under four, but some a lot of things to like when you look at the numbers. 136 strikeouts during that time and only 28 walks. Really, really impressive, especially for a pitcher in his age 22 season. He has a bright bright future it looks like as part of the Mariners rotation for a long long time just a few of the stories this year overall 2015 high expectations coming in the Mariners they did not meet those expectations no playoffs in 2015 now with a new regime a new general manager and Jerry Depoto. we'll see what happens this offseason it sure will be an active offseason but some impressive pieces to build around, and we'll see where 2016 takes us. What about 2015? Here's Rick Riz with the Mariners manager, Lloyd McClendon, on his thoughts. Well, Skip, it's hard to believe, but here it is, game number 162 on the season, the final day of 2015. Uh, It's been a heck of a ride this year, some ups and some downs. Looking back, Skip, on 2015, what are you most proud of about your ball club this year and the way they played? Well, you know, obviously it's been a tough journey this year for us in a lot of different ways, but I think the one thing that was most impressive was the resiliency of this ball club. Uh, they got kicked, they got knocked down quite a bit, uh, and they refused to quit. Uh, you know, Robbie's going to have surgery in a couple of days. Nelson played the last month and a half with a uh, torn quad and, and last night tweaked his groin and still wanted to try to hit. You know, it, it's remarkable. You know, Seager never quits, shows up every day trying to beat the other team. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that Iwakuma lost half a season. Paxton lost most of a season. Uh, you know, we lost it, Furbush uh, and, and the trades that we had early in the year. But it is what it is. Uh, but I, I And like I told my club, I'm extremely proud of the effort. Uh, I could never be mad at how they went about their business. Now, some, most nights it was not good enough for us, uh, but they never, never quit on me. During all those trials throughout the course of the year, Skip, what were some of the biggest surprises uh, this year for you? Well, I would have to say Marte obviously uh, played extremely well. Uh, it was nice to see Gutierrez bounce back and, and do the job that he did, and you know that's a bright spot for us next year. Uh, you know, Tony Zick, you know, it, 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 he's an intriguing guy. You know, he might be a, a piece that might be able to help us next year. So you know, all those things were nice surprises for us. Going into next season, Skip, where do this, does this ball club really have to improve to get to where you really want to be? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, we gotta we got to attack the bullpen spots. I, you know, with 21 blown saves on the year, that, that really hurts. Um, center field is probably a spot where we need to shore up and get a solid defensive player in that spot. And obviously, our catching, we need to get that situation straightened out. You know, you mentioned a few of your veteran guys. What was it like managing this team with the Felixes, the Nelson Cruises, the Robinson Canoes, the Kyle Seegers? 
on this ball club and what they meant to not only this team but to the young players on this ball club? You know, that's a great question. I think any manager, you know, can manage uh, the guys on the inside of the book uh, of your media guide. I think the challenge is to manage the guys on the cover of the media guide uh, and, and your superstars. And I think our guys are bought into our program pretty good. Uh, you know, we have a 4 o'clock program every day, and those guys give me everything they got. Uh, they really buy into it. They work hard. Uh, and it's been a pleasure, I mean, absolute pleasure to work with them. Skip, uh, I, th- I thought you did a great job managing this ball club last year. One went away from getting to the playoffs, but I think you even did a better job managing this ball club this year because some things didn't go the ball club's way. The injuries that you talked about, what kind of year was it for Lloyd McClendon? Well, you know, perception is reality uh, in this game, and I guess that's all that matters. But, you know, the fact is last year's club was easy to manage. Uh, you know, when you go through trials and tribulations like we did this year, you call Skipper for a reason. You know, when, when you're in troubled waters, you're supposed to step to the front and lead. And uh, I tried to lead by example, and, and, and I hope uh, my kids appreciate it, uh, the way I went about my business and, and the way I try to prepare them every day. What are you looking forward to the off season beginning tomorrow, Skip? Well, just rest, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, just get a mental break. You know, it's been a grind, and uh, you know, hopefully, get a chance to play a little golf and relax a little bit and rest a little bit and recharge the batteries and get ready for next year. What would you like to tell the fans here on the final day of the season, Skip? Well, it, it's real simple, and, and I haven't changed. I, I'm extremely proud uh, to be a part of this community. I think our fans are the greatest fans in the world, and. Uh, they give us everything they got every night. Uh, it's unfortunate we uh, did not play our best baseball most of the times, but uh, you, you know you see the crowds the last couple of nights that were just tremendous, and uh, it's very appreciative. And you know, hopefully, we'll bring them a winner next year. I know things didn't work out the way you wanted to this year, but in many ways, it was a, a fun season on behalf of myself. I want to thank you for the great job you did with this ball club. I had a wonderful time visiting with you every day, talking about you and your ball club and and where this ball club is heading. So, Skip, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine. And now one last time, we're going to hand things over to Charlie Furbush. It is time for bullpen banter. Hey, everybody, oh, my God! I'm just kidding. That was way too intense. We're back with another edition of Bullpen Banter. I am Charlie Furbush. This is the final bullpen banter of the year. And who better to wrap up the show with, with the closer himself, Tom Will Helmson, I'm so happy you're here, man. How are, how are you today? Hey, everybody, yeah! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a little pumped up, too, myself. Yes, I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be closing this one out with you, brother. Absolutely. This is a special day, you know. I mean, I'm going to miss this radio show for the season. I hope people think of me in the off season. I'll be thinking of them. Why don't you tell me what it was like when you first were on Bullpen Banter, your first experience of, of me and my wackiness? Well, I uh, don't mean to burst your bubble, Sir Charles. The first time I was on bullpen banter was way back in 2011 with the young Sean Kelly. And I was so afraid because I was just a little rookie bum. It turned out to be a splendid interview. I was thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And when you came around, I didn't think you could top it, but you sure as heck did. 
Wow. It's enough about Sean Kelly. I know he's a great guy, great team. I want to know what it was like when I blew your mind. Believe it or not, you've blown my mind more than once. First time was probably the most fun I ever had uh, with bullpen banter with you. I've done this like three or four times with you now. And the first one was fantastic. Oh, actually, how about the first time I interviewed you on birthday uh. birthday banter? <laughs> bullpen banter. <laughs> that was, I was, I mean, I wouldn't have anyone else interview me. I mean, you got the right questions. You get me going. It's pretty good. <laughs> You're pretty good, Charles. Hey-oh. hey Real life high five right there. I want to know, very first day in the big leagues, who was the first guy on the Mariners that you met? The most memorable one was was obviously Ken Griffey Jr. Granted, he wasn't on the Mariners team uh, that year, but he was around the clubhouse, and that was uh, kind of a big deal for me coming behind the bar and now hanging out with Ken Griffey Jr. Do you remember your favorite Christmas gift that you woke up and you were just so excited to open up that the wrapping paper and... Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't wrapped. And also, unfortunately, my brother and I snuck out to see what was going on, see what Santa had left before my parents got up. So we knew what we were getting. We were getting a pair of bicycles that had our names on them, which oh. was super cool when you're 14, 15 years old. Was it a Huffy? <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of bike you were with? It was either a Huffy or a Murray. I can't remember... Which one? Probably whatever one is cheaper. I think Murray. Yes. Yes. I had a I had like a fluorescent neon yellow Murray bike. Mine was fluorescent neon orange and black, and it had my name on it. So that was it's probably the same bike, but yours is just that much cooler. So I wanna I wanna give you the opportunity now that we're gonna close up bullpen banter to ask maybe me a few questions. Could you tell me one of your most pleasant experiences on bullpen banter? Got to give it to Dominic Leone. I think uh, when we were in Boston and did some uh, real Boston accents, you know, talking about hot dogs and Noma hitting homers down in Harvard Boulevard and whatever, that was the best. And it was it was epic. Yes, it was epic. I do remember uh, you guys held on to those accents for another month or two, <laughs> which did not get obnoxious. How did you get this wonderful job? Uh, it all starts back in 2012. Spring training 2012, doing a uh, after the game luncheon with the fans someone was asking questions and uh, Rick and, and uh, Shannon Dre were there and someone asked hey is, is you gonna bring bullpen banter back and I was like what is what is bullpen banter I I'm in the bullpen and that's awesome and I love bantering yeah, so it seemed like I needed more information and lo and behold they had a spot open for the host um hey after your playing days could you tell me three things that are on your bucket list I really want to hit a hole in one in golf you know, that might take a while, so I figured I might as well start there and start playing on a daily basis, see how good I can get. Next thing, I would love to tour the world, see what the world has to offer. Maybe there's some really cool things all over the place that I don't know about and I really want to see. And third, this is not really, this is more of a fantasy than a bucket list type thing. I really wish that I could, in another life, be the groupie from Hot Corner and go crazy <laughs> and be on the lead singers just front stage Woo! screaming man i would i would that would be great and you would be right there next to me so it would work out perfect i'm touched okay now back to me all right that's the few things you know about charles roderick furbush yes uh, i want to know tom what's your go-to karaoke song let's let's wrap it up with a jam for the people when I was a young warthog, I always wanted to sing Bohemian Rhapsody in front of thousands of people in a karaoke bar. You can't do that song solo. I've tried it. I mean, I, I could help you kick it off. I mean, where do you want to start it? It's like, uh, is this the real life? Is it just fantasy? 
caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. Learning no sympathy. Cause it's easy come, easy go. Little high, little low. And Epic. Oh man, that was great. That's gonna wrap up this year's 2015 bullpen banter with the closer Tom Lampson. I love you, man. You're the best. Thanks for being on the show. You're the best, buddy. All right. We'll see you guys next year. Hope you guys want me back. It's been a special year, and it's only gonna get better Three from here. Back. Woo! Three back. We'll see you guys later. And we mentioned Nelly Cruz a few minutes ago. What a season he had. Here is the slugger with Rick Riz. Chance to sit down and. Talk a little hitting with uh, one of the best hitters in the American League. He has been for a long time. Mariners right fielder, D.H., Nelson Cruz. Nelly, let's go back a number of years. So what, what does it take to be a, a good hitter at this level? Uh, first of all, thank you for the chance, you know. <laughs> I don't think I'm a good hitter still, you know. I, I still have a lot of holes. But I think experience, you know, know what to expect from, from the post and the hitters, you know, and have an idea what, what you can what you can do with the bat and take advantage of any situation you can see in the field. This is a show kind of built around for kids. So where did you start? I mean, start as far as feeling comfortable in home plate, starting with a stance, where you held your hands. I'm sure you experimented with a lot of different things. Where did that all start for you, and how did you come up with what you have right now? Yeah, I was one of those hitters that used to hit straight line, with both feet straight. In uh, 2007, I got sent down to AAA. And I got had to work with the, the hitting coach down there. We he come up with the idea to after see Carlos Lee, uh, Derek Lee, yeah. uh, those guys that hit with the open stance. And uh, we got kind of similarity at the body, you know, and the way we can hit the ball with, with power. So that's when I start my my change my 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 stand. Did it help you see the ball better with the open stance? I know it ha- happened for Jay Buhner that way too. Yeah, 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 no doubt. I mean, you, you can see the, the ball with both sides, <laughs> the most important thing. And then uh, you can, I mean, I get a little bit the better read on uh, with, with that stand also. Visited with Nelson Cruz here on Rick's Tips. And Nelson, when I see a guy with a 300 batting average, I see a guy that uses foul line to foul line. Now, you're a power hitter, you're a slugger who can hit. You hit the ball the other way. How did you learn hitting the ball the other way for you as a right-handed hitter? Yeah, like I said, I think uh, experience, you know, after swing a miss a few times, ground balls a few times to the uh, left side, you know, I figured out that uh, if you want to be successful, you have to learn to go the other way. I mean, it's not easy. Sometimes you get in struggle that you don't find a way to hit it the other way. Uh, but you got to stick with your approach, you know, and, and, and trust what you have, you know. Just let the, the ball travel a little deeper, you know, and... and uh, you'll swing it, you know, the result's going to happen. Tell me a little bit about who had the greatest influence on you as a hitter and what you're doing right now. A lot of coaches, you know. I've been with a lot of coaches, I think, uh, through the years. The most important one is the ones that, that when you're coming up as a minors, you know, they, they yeah. teach you the, the approach and they teach you the, the fundamental hitting. So yeah. that would be uh, Evaristo Lantigua. He's a Dominican coach. I was working with him for a long time since so when I was coming up. 
Are you the same type of hitter with, with two strikes as you are before you get to two strikes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tried, we tried to put the ball in play with two strikes. You shut it up, you swing. Just uh, find a way to, to put the ball in play. That's basically the, the mindset. I know it's an easy question, tough answer, but how do you hit the ball so far like you do? I know you're a big, strong guy, and you hit the ball a long way, but when did that power come for you? Uh, since I was a kid, that's something yeah. that I guess uh, I was gifted with it. Uh, I remember playing in the street. You know, I was the kid that hit the ball farther when I was playing in school. I was the kid that would hit the ball farther after I signed. That was the saying, and in the minors, that was the saying. And I guess now, I mean, probably not. It's not the same, but I still would hit the ball farther. You know, there's a lot that goes in, into being a good hitter, and it's knowing what the pitcher is trying to do. Uh, when did that part uh, come for you? Just experience of finding out what he throws and when he wants to throw certain pitches. Yeah, I think starting the pitchers, you know, uh, that's one of the biggest things. Uh, I tried to uh, have a pretty good idea before I go to bed. Uh, I would like to watch the videos and, and have a seat bad uh, against righties. Here's a, my simulator type of swing, you know, guys that hit homers, and I go from there. I'm sure you look at a lot of video. Do you learn more from the good swings on the video or the not-so-good swings on the video to fix things? It depends. I like to go see the, the good swings. I like to watch the, my good swings, and uh, even when I'm doing s slow in my swing, you know, go back and and see the the line drives, the ball that I hit in the gap, uh, you know, and that's what I try to copy. What's your best advice? Last question for kids who want to do what you do. You know, you know, swing the bat the way that you do. Uh, what's the best advice you'd give to a kid? Well, I think uh, the best advice you can have is everything is start with the practice, you know. Um, whatever you do in the practice is going to come and show in the game. So my approach in Bayern practice is to hit the ball the other way, line drives, you know, and like try to uh, implement that for the game. And have some fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's the most important thing, enjoy the game, you know, and, and have fun. You've had a great season, buddy. Thank you so much for being our guest here on Rick's Tips. Thank you. I appreciate it. And here's Aaron Goldsmith, his synopsis of the 2015 Major League Baseball season. There's a lot that happens each and every baseball season, and remembering it all is never an easy thing, but we're going to do our best to kind of go back and think about the year that it was around the major leagues. And as Yogi would say, it is never over until it's over, which is always one of the most fitting quotes in the game, especially for a sport without a clock. Until this season, we had clocks between innings this year. We even had a clock at the Home Run Derby. You can remember when Todd Frazier homered at the buzzer to win it all. Whoever thought we'd say that. It was once again the year of the pitcher, and where do we begin when it comes to the pitching numbers this year in baseball? We watched an all-time record 17 pitchers strike out 200 batters, which is interesting that in this record year, it was also the first year without King Felix reaching the 200 punch-out plateau since 2008. And if you think 200 strikeouts is impressive, check out Clayton Kershaw. He won't double up this year like he did last when he took home the Cy Young and the MVP. But as he takes the mound today against the Padres, he is six strikeouts shy of becoming only the 15th pitcher ever in the history of the game to strike out 300. And you can remember when he almost wasn't an all-star this summer. And how about his teammate, Zach Grinke's 1.66 earned run average, the lowest the game has seen since a minuscule 1.63 earned run average 20 years ago, as authored by Hall of Famer Greg Maddox. And how about this? Granke, the hitter, has more extra base hits with four than Granke, the pitcher, 
has losses. He's lost three times. And how important is a 20-game winner? That, of course, is always up to you, but Grinke's won 19, so he will not win 20 games despite an historic earned run average. And with numbers like that, he would be a lock to win the Cy Young, wouldn't you think? But don't tell that to Jake Arrieta. Once trash for the Orioles, he's become one of the game's treasures for the Cubs. In 15 starts since the All-Star break, Arietta, he's 12-1 and with a .75 earned run average. He threw 20 consecutive quality starts to end the season. That's the longest to end a year since the earned run began being tracked in 1913. One of those quality starts, of course, the no-hitter at Dodger Stadium. And we have seen a supreme amount of no-hitters this year, seven of them, in fact, including one last night. Uh, can you name all the no-hitters? It's tough to remember this season. There was the unknown in Chris Heston, the first of the year, and then an all-star like Cole Hamels. He spun one as well. Two from Max Scherzer. Both were this close to being perfect games. A Jose Tapada elbow guard in the first and a Yunel Escobar throwing error in the second. Hisashi Iwakuma and Mike Fires they each spun a no-hitter. And for both, it was their first complete game. And then there were three no-hitters lost in the ninth inning this season, two of them with two outs. Shelby Miller was the first. Carlos Carrasco was the latest. Okay, enough of the pitching. How about some offense? Well, it's not as easy as you might think in a game right now dominated by pitching, but how about this? He just continues to hit. That's Miguel Cabrera. He's about to win another batting title. This will be his fourth in five years. He'll also lead the league in on-base percentage for the fourth time. And home runs? Well, Chris Davis leading the majors with 45 in a contract year. And remember, he's been robbed of five homers this season, including three in July. So Davis should have an even 50, but instead he's settling right now for 45. There have been four cycles this hit, hit this year, two by the Rangers, Beltre and Chu. Brock Holt cycled for the Red Sox, and Matt Kemp hit the first cycle in Padres history. They, of course, are still looking for that first no-hitter, but that might happen today. You never know. We've seen a no-hitter in Game 162, after all, each of the last two seasons. Well, the Astros, well, they have not hit for the cycle this year, but they've done just about everything else offensively. Evan Gaddis, 11 triples with zero stolen bases. The last guy to do that, Dale Long in 1955. And Gaddis is one of 11 Astros with double-digit home runs, tied for the most players on one team with at least 10 homers in Major League history. you got to go back to Carlos Pena's 04 Tigers, the only other team. And the Astros are guaranteed to play at least game 163. And how about this for parity? Of the six division winners this year, only the Cardinals and the Dodgers are repeat winners from last year. The Rangers, who finished with the fewest wins in the league last season, can win the West today. And the last three years, we've seen the three longest playoff droughts snapped. The Pirates in 2013, that ended an era of 21 years without the postseason. The Royals last year played in October for the first time in 28 years. And this season, it's the Blue Jays, champions of the American League East, and back in the playoffs for the first time since Joe Carter's walk-off World Series blast 22 years ago. As the regular season ends today, with every game starting at the same time, there's plenty to keep an eye on. With a win over the Angels, the Rangers will win the West, going from worst to first. The Astros can clinch the West with a win over the Diamondbacks, a Rangers loss, and a win in what would be a tiebreaker game in Arlington. So that's going to take a lot. And for the Angels, if they lose and the Astros win, the Angels are done. If the Angels win and the Astros lose, they'll play a tiebreaker in Houston. And finally, we say goodbye to the 2015 baseball season with the year 
that was. The room was pretty quiet, and all of a sudden Hermansky said, I've got it! And everybody kind of straightened up and looked at him and said, what? And Gene said, we'll all wear number 42, and nobody will know which one is Jackie. Well, it broke up the room, it broke the tension, and little did we know that Gene's suggestion would eventually come to pass. And the 1-1. Swing and a ground ball to Brad Miller at short. He's got it. The throw to first in time to get Smolinski. And Felix Hernandez is the all-time leader in Mariner history for innings pitch. Pitch on the way. Strike three called, and he's got the record. He strikes out Cole Calhoun. A couple of strikeouts for Felix here in the bottom of the first inning. And the King moves on by Johan Santana. Career strikeout number 1,989. More strikeouts than any pitcher from the country of Venezuela. The 3-2 pitch, and it's strike three called, and there it is. Number 2,000 for Felix Hernandez, and he becomes the fourth youngest in the history of the game of baseball to reach 2,000. To have a guy that such a competitor and such a great teammate, it's, it's really a special thing to be a part of. And, you know, I tell our guys all the time, don't take it for granted because we may never see another one like him in our lifetime. Pitch by Gregerson. Swing and a high drive deep to left field. This one's going to the locomotive and it hits the train. Onto the track. It hit the train out in left center field. The stretch and the pitch. Swing and a fly ball deep into right center field. Geyer on the run going back and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. It may have gone into the Rays fish tank. Holy smoke, Nelson Cruz with an opposite field. Two out, three-run home run here in the top of the ninth inning. And the 1-1 to Gordon. Swing and a chopper along the first baseline. Montgomery gets there. Underhand toss to Morrison. It's over. How sweet it is. Holy smokes, a complete game shutout for Mike Montgomery. Don't call it a comeback. Luke's 0-2, swing, and this is punished. Left center field, might have carry out, there it goes! Franklin Gutierrez, a walk-off homer, he'll touch them all, and watch out, Goody, they're coming for you! Be back with Seattle again, I really love this team, and uh, uh, be, be back with my friends, you know, the, all the fans in, in Seattle. The 2-2, swing, and a miss, and a change-up, strike three, and there is strikeout number 11, for a Taiwan Walker. There's a little chopper down the third base line. Beltre picks it up and Miller beats it out to first base and he tied the game 3-3. Three three. Did you see the wheels of Montero coming down the third base line? Holy cow! <laughs> Today means that forever I am a Seattle Mariner. Thank you. The windup and the pitch on the way. Para with a swing and a fly ball. Left center field on the run, Jackson. He makes the catch. A no-hitter for his Sashi Iwakuma. Iwakuma being mobbed out at the mound. The fifth no-hitter in Mariners history. Soon as soon as I got hit the ball, I thought I was going to drop. And I was like, no way. The one-two swing and a line drive base in at the left field. And there's career base hit. Number 2,000 for Robinson Cano, and he becomes one of only 14 players in the history of the game of baseball to get to 2,000 
within his first 11 seasons. Here's the pitch. Swing and a one skipper. Snared there by Marte. Oh boy, did he pick that. Throws on a second. On to first in time for one of the greatest double plays we'll see all season. I'm going with Nelly Cruz to hit number 40. Boom, 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 boom. First pitch to Nelson. He swings and lifts it high to right field. Two looks up. It's a courtesy look. This is into the seats for a home run. Nelson Cruz out to right field. You can count them up. 40 home runs for Nelson Cruz, matching a career high. And it's now 5 to nothing. Mariners in the bottom of the seventh. 2 0 to Nelson. Swing and a well hit ball. Deep into right field. Springer going back, looking up. Goodbye, baseball. Back to back home run. Seeger and Nelson Cruz. His 44th home run of the year. And the Mariners now lead 6-3, and with that home run, Nelson Cruz has just tied Jay Buhner with 44 home runs for the most home runs by a right-handed hitter in Seattle Mariners history. Congratulations, Nelson Cruz. You just tied the bone. Tell him the bone sent you. Repeat after me. I will listen to Edgar. Yeah, I will listen to Edgar. The pitch, curb, swinging a fly ball. Well hit into the gap in right center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. Career high for Kyle Seeger, his 26th home run of the season. My baseball philosophy is to build flexibility, build versatility, create balance, and that will lead to sustainability. I'm just really thrilled to be here and look forward to the future of Mariners baseball and believe that we are going to achieve great things together. 